we're singing, and she says, we're singing no spirit but the Holy Spirit, what that's saying to us is a spirit of fear is not allowed, a spirit of shame is not allowed, a spirit of torment is not allowed, a spirit of guilt is not allowed, a spirit of accusation is not allowed. All of those voices that come to speak to us, those are all spirits. It's not you. It's a spirit that's making an accusation against you. So here, I have to turn that one on too. Okay, so <laughs> so when we hear those messages of shame, when we hear the messages of accusation, when we hear the messages of fear, we have a choice whether to partner with those messages that are coming to us. It's not you. See, that's what's important is if you have... Ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And the Bible tells us that we are a new creation. So as a new creation in Christ Jesus, now fear is not a part of who you are. Shame is not a part of who you are. Guilt is not a part of who you are. Um, regret is not a part of who you are. But... Those messages will come. They're coming from the outside. It's not you. It's not who you are anymore because you are one with Christ Jesus. Now, you have the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. But those messages will come. And when we're singing no spirit but the Holy Spirit, what we're declaring is... I am not going to partner with any voice, with any message other than what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And when we're singing the wisdom and the knowledge and the might, when we're singing those things, we are making declarations and we're saying, I am not going to partner with fear in my life. I'm not going to make choices based on regret. I'm not going to hide based on shame because that's not who I am anymore and that's not the truth about who I am. So when we declare those things, we are making declarations saying, I choose to agree with what the Holy Spirit says and who my Heavenly Father says that I am. That's a powerful song. That's powerful when we declare that. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare and decree that we will not partner with any other spirit but the Holy Spirit. We do not partner. Whatever, whatever, everybody in here has a different, uh, battle, <laughs> different voices that come. And whatever the voice is that is contradictory to, here's how, here's how you know if it's God. Is it encouraging you? Is it speaking hope for your future? Is it leading you and guiding you closer to Him? And if it's not, that's not God. So right now, whatever the voice is that comes to you, I'm hearing specifically uh, voices that declare to you that your future is not good, that it's only going to get worse from here. <laughs> that one I'm hearing. And hiding, uh, something about hiding. Uh, shame and guilt can cause hiding, but we don't carry shame and guilt anymore. So whatever your, whatever your voice is that tries to come to you, I want you to make a decision right now. I'm giving you the opportunity to make a decision on the inside to say, I'm not going to partner with that voice anymore. I'm partnering with no spirit, but the Holy spirit. And you can say that out loud, no spirit, but the Holy spirit. That's the only spirit I'm partnering with. Father, we declare that in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare your truth. Father, lead us and guide us. The Holy Spirit, the scripture tells us that it is the spirit of truth. That's who speaks to you on the inside. And it isn't the voices running in our head. Everybody put your hand right here on your belly. This is where the spirit of the Lord stirs on the inside of us. So if you want to right now, you can just say, Holy Spirit, stir on the inside of me and stir your truth in me. That I do hear the voice of the Father. I do know what to do. I do have wisdom. I do have knowledge and insight. And you lead me. And I am led well. I am led well in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, you are led well. You are led well. 
in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, I have a very special treat for you guys can go ahead and take a seat. I have a treat for you this morning. It is the first Sunday, and as uh, if you've been here for any time, you know at Cowboy Church, we don't pass a plate or a hat every service so that you feel pressured to give or that you wad up your, you know, your dollar and put it in the plate. What we do is we believe that tithes and offerings are a form of worship according to the scripture. And so, but we do like to pray over our finances here as a church. So on the first Sunday of each month, we like to pray over our finances. And this morning, I have a special treat for you because J.D. Wegley is going to come and share our tithe encouragement for us this morning. And J.D. and his wife, Carly, are part of the ministry team that ministers to your high school and junior high kids every week. So if you would, would you guys please give JD a very special N3C welcome this morning. Thank you, Pastor Lynette. You kind of already introduced us, but I have this wrote down, so I got to follow it. But uh, good to see everybody this morning. Um, I'm glad you're here and so is Jesus. Um, if I haven't met you, I am JD Wegley, like she said. Married to Carly, and uh, we're uh, very glad to be here. Just just after worship this morning, it just reaffirms that, and what she just said was definitely on my heart, even too. So I love it. Um, so I'd like to share kind of a kind of two testimony. Carly and I have um, walked in um, for our finances. Um, it's a little bit different than usual because God's given us more than more than those two even. And done many things. Um, so this is a little bit long, but I'm just going to get through it. So most of you have heard of the Dave Ramsey FPU, Financial Peace University course we do here through the church. And you've maybe even done it. Um, God's done a lot through that for us. Um, he's even brought increase many times and many ways during our lives. Um, also, there's going to be some side rants today because uh, that's just me. My wife says I've got squirrel brain. And so... It's all good. She loves me. So I used to be the guy that goes to work and would just spend money for the next cool thing, the next cool toy. Um, and I just was never really honoring any sort of financial or stewarding it in any sort of way. I believe Pastor Darren was the one that once said, it's not really our income. It's all his. And we just get to steward that. Similar to the idea that we live our, li- our our lives are not really ours, they're His, and we get to live for Him when we're born again. Those two things, when I really grasp them, they uh, click together at the same time and just reaffirmed each other. So God's really started to soften my heart with finances um, because He's just amazing like that. That's part of the backstory, and I've really just got to kind of set the scene here. So about two and a half years ago, Carly and I literally went to the courthouse and got married with some good friends who also got married, and we witnessed for each other. Um, that said, that friend, along with a lot of help from the big man upstairs, got me a great job opportunity, wherein itself was one of those financial blessing testimonies. The real reason for this was because God knew my heart and knew that I was good with the courthouse thing, even though Carly didn't want that. <laughs> Um, hey, it was during COVID, so ladies cut me a break, you know. Uh, he knew that if I didn't have the money, I wasn't about to spend a bunch of what I didn't have for one day. I'd rather be selfish and us go do something, um, or for a honeymoon, you know. And, uh, so God literally said, hey, here's this job. You're unqualified, but you're gonna get it, and you're gonna go make the money you need to have a wedding, and that's gonna fulfill a purpose. The first part of that was we got the privilege of Pastor Darren getting to marry us, and that was awesome. Um, Also, it was publicly to announce the covenant we were making in front of all of our family, who was mad at me for not letting us be part of the long-waited-for day, and um, being in front of our friends and doing the same thing. So during those speeches at our wedding, two very close people to us spoke about how our relationship had brought them closer to God in their walks and that that would not have happened for that job to happen or the wedding day to happen. Um, so, as I said, that was two and a half years ago and that's not all what I'm trying to get at. So, I know I'm making, I'm not making that kind of money now actually and I was, uh, when I was during that time. Um, but let me tell you what's awesome about that. God really exposed what was important in life since that time and to help me not be so selfish 
and through FPU learn the essentials and really refocus. Before, Carly was working a job at the same time, and we were even kind of struggling, and I was making a lot of money, right? And then now she's getting to pursue her dreams as a photographer. Um, she got to quit her other job, who, which was super unhealthy workplace. Um, it's been amazing. I make less money than I was, and we are actually never going without. We live a more fulfilled life in reality. What that really looks like and means to us is God has changed my heart so much that um, on giving, because if you can't tell, I never used to be a giver, he showed me money can have influence no matter how big or small, and that the dollar sign is not where your joy comes from. It was really during that time that I learned how to tithe and what it was meaning and the um, cheerfulness in that. Um, with that, I would like to pray over, over everybody today. So... Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone being here today. God, what you've done for me, you can do for anyone and can do even more. I just ask that you would really refocus us all on the things of your heart and the things that really matter. Let our hearts soften to be like yours and know that as we step out in giving ties, we don't ever have to worry again. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart and not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let us give cheerfully and not out of necessity to let your will be done in us and through us financially. Thank you for all that you've done for me and that you continue to do. Let us just continue to grow in in you and become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, as a church family, is everything, everything that could happen this morning has happened. So... Right now, let us pray together as a family and say, not going to work, okay? (laughs) So if you would join with me right now, if you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. But right now we're taking authority and we're saying that the plans and the schemes of the enemy come to nothing and that I am not distracted. I am not pulled aside and the plans that God has for me this morning will come to pass. And I am not missing out on anything that I came to church for. And greater is he who is in me, who is in the world. And I declare, and I say right now in the name of Jesus, that the word of God will go forward. We say that everything that is trying to cause confusion, everything that's trying to cause last minute little um, anxieties, everything that's coming to try and steal, kill, and destroy what the Heavenly Father has planned for us this morning, we say that that comes to nothing and all plans of the enemy right now are cut off. They are null and void and we command in Jesus' name the ministering angels to be turned loose in this place. Father, we say that your presence here is stronger and bigger than anything that would come to try to distract us or to steal what you have for us this morning. And we will receive everything that you have for us. And we thank you in advance that today your kingdom will be advanced on the inside of us. And your kingdom will be advanced as a result of what happens here this morning. It is already done. It is already finished. And it is complete. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Perfect shalom in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. That's it. All right. That's enough of that. That is enough of that. I want to say our worship team, our sound team, our media team, holy, 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 holy. CW sitting up here playing. I was realizing during worship, he had not played the cajon in in rehearsing for this, correct? I mean, he was in the drum cage. They let him out of the cage. They let him sit on a little box this morning. How amazing is that? So, I mean, they're they're doing. So, here's, I'm going to say this really fast. Over the past several weeks, and we talked about this this morning in Huddle, is I've been pondering and thinking about where we came from as a church. And for those of you that don't know, we started in a youth room over in Fort Collins, and then we moved to a hotel, and we were meeting in a conference room at a hotel over on Highway 14. Then we moved to a barn, and we were meeting, sitting in the dirt, setting up chairs and tearing them down every single week, setting up a sound system, tearing them. Do you guys remember? Okay. How many old school people do we have in here? The, um, overhead projectors that you used to put on. Okay. That's what we did worship with. We did the overhead projector and we had this big frame that somebody made and put a sheet on it. And we, (laughs) 
that was our, that was our worship. That's how we had our songs. And I've been thinking about how, how much the Lord has blessed us. Amen. See, to me, air conditioning is a blessing. Because I remember we didn't have air conditioning. I'm sitting in a barn and we would leave the barn and we were the stinkiest people at the restaurants in the morning because we sat up the chairs where all the horses would be tied up uh, while they were roping, practicing. So you left smelling like horse urine. And we smelled bad. <laughs> but you didn't know you smelled bad until you were around people that didn't smell bad and then you realized how bad you smelled. <laughs> but here's what... I've been thinking about with God, this has nothing to do with where we're going this morning, but it does, is all of the pavement in the parking lot that's nice and smooth and uh, the freshly painted lines and the coffee that some people got super twisted out when we quit serving donuts. <laughs> Go to freaking Dunkin' on your way to church, Okay. Because let me tell you something, all of that does not matter. That's not why you come here. That's not why you're here. And if it is, it won't be for long. Because either you'll find another church or you'll figure out why you're really here. And if this isn't your church home, it doesn't make you a bad person and we don't think any less of you. We want you to be where God wants you to be, straight up. And we'll help you find it. If it's not here, we want you to be where God wants you to be. But as I've been thinking on it, I think back to um, being in the barn and being in the hotel where all we had was just the presence of the Lord. And that's why we got together every week is because God's presence was with us. And that's why we come to church we don't come for the donuts. We don't come for the coffee. We don't come because we have to have the sound just right. And this morning, gosh, there were so many people working and scrambling to try and make the sound as good as it could possibly be for you. But if we all have the heart that, yes, we enjoy excellence and we press for excellence and we always want to give God our very best. But if we all come with the heart of the most important thing is that I am with God this morning. Then we have church. We come together for the reason that God's presence is here. Nothing else matters. This is the thing. There is no plan B without God's presence. There is no plan B. And we can have, the thing of it is, is how long, (laughs) this scares me, how long could a church continue to go without the presence of God? Because you could turn the sound up. You could start serving donuts again. You could uh, paint the stage new to try and keep people's interest and to try and keep people there. Churches do it every time, every week, all the time. How do we keep the people? How do we make people want to come? You can do all of the outside stuff, but if the presence of God isn't there, it's a waste of your time and ours. His presence is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. But here's the deal. You bring his presence. That's why I love our church is because his presence isn't about a building. His presence isn't about whether we meet in a barn or we sit in the dirt or we get to have nice comfy chairs. Praise God for our chairs, right? (laughs) The thing is, is his presence comes with the people. He dwells in people. And so that's why I'm so thankful for You, because you bring his presence every week. When you come, his presence comes. The scripture says to us that where my people are gathered, I am there in their midst. So I love the songs that we sing and I'm not, I'm not dissing on that, but here's the fact of the matter is where two or more are gathered, I'm there in their midst. We don't have to pray to get him to come. We don't have to, uh, you know, cry out to get God To get his attention, you have his full attention. 
you have his full attention. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's uh let's have church, shall we? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, my name is Lynette. If I've never got to meet you before, um I would be honored to get to shake your hand and to get to meet you come in and go in in church and uh, at the picnic today, we'll gather together and we get to visit, and I love that always. So, anyhow, um, look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, um, shall we get started? We've had church, right? So we're going we're gonna to go fast. Um, I had, growing up, uh, my grandmother, we called her Mimi. My Mimi was the best gift wrapper of anybody of all time. She was, how many, okay, so let me, let me see by a show of hands. Parents, anybody in here, when you give gifts now, do you wrap them with wrapping paper in a box or do you put it in a bag and crumble up some tissue paper and wad it up and put it in the bag? How many, how many actually wrap a box with wrapping paper. <gasps> okay. You guys are pretty amazing. How many do the tissue paper in the bag? Yeah. It's probably 50, 50. It looked about 50, 50. I was not expecting that. So, um, my Mimi, when she would give a present, she would wrap the present. It was a beautiful kind of foil type paper and she would wrap this beautiful gift and then she would have a bow that was a complementary monochromatic color or either really stark contrast color and then she would hand make the bows and then she would always put some type of a little bobble in the bows like either you know some type of a little flower or I remember um, there being like a little tiny doll in the in the bow that she would make and she would, I mean, I don't know how much time she would spend wrapping that and how much thought went into just wrapping the gift. But the outside never compared with what was in the box. And just to give you a little hint, my grandmother worked in a jewelry store. So when you got a small box from Mimi, you knew that there was going to be good stuff on the inside of that box. You wanted a small box from Mimi. So she would give these amazingly wrapped packages, but the wrapping was nothing compared to what was on the inside of the gift. And each gift was wrapped meticulously and she spent a lot of time and care into how she wrapped that gift but the wrapping was simply a carrier it was a presentation for what was actually on the inside of the wrapping and the very last verse of the last psalm, Psalm 150, which is a beautiful book in the Old Testament. It is full of poetry type uh, writing. It's full of emotion. It's full of raw, just vulnerable truth. And the very last verse of the last chapter of Psalms, Psalms 150 in chapter 6 says this, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So everything that has breath is created for promise and purpose. But each one of those that has breath is wrapped in a different type of wrapping. It is meticulously put together. Each one of us that has breath has been put together in a very specific, very intentional way. But no matter how meticulous and how well the outside wrapping is put together, it's very simply a presentation and a carrier for what is on the inside. And it's what's on the inside that has the most value. Because just like my Mimi working in a jewelry store, what was on the inside has infinite more value than the paper that was on the outside. No matter how good it looked, no matter how pretty it was, what was inside was always more valuable than the outside. The real value and intention is what is found on the inside of the wrapping. The outside is just a carrier. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just a carrier, don't worry. (laughs) God created each one of us with a purpose a promise and a plan. 
I remember uh, our spiritual father had a picture in one of his uh, photo albums because he said that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. And so there was a picture of him knelt down on a runway in Australia with his Bible open and he had a kangaroo. Like he was, this kangaroo was like right next to him and it literally looked like the kangaroo was looking down at the Bible and Glenn was knelt down and he had his Bible open and he was pointing at what the scripture was saying and reading to this kangaroo because the word said to preach it to every living creature. So he took that literally. (laughs) God created each one of us with a promise in mind and everything that has breath has a purpose and God has a plan for it. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 out of the Passion Translation that through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were ever born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. See, the thing is, is that God didn't create a human being. He didn't create the wrapping And then put something of value inside the wrapping. He has something of value. He has a dream in his heart. He has a purpose that has existed before you ever took your first breath. And that purpose that he has is a part of his plan. It is a part of his big picture. It's a part of the eternal purpose. And he has this beautiful gift. And then he puts the wrapping around it. And releases it into the earth. Releases you into the earth. God already had a promise, a destiny, and a purpose. And then he wrapped a human being around it. The dream that's on the inside of you wasn't an afterthought after your outsides were made. The dream came first. The dream in God's heart. And then he perfectly crafted and wrapped you around the dream and released you here on this earth. Ephesians 2.10 in the Passion says this, We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Our flesh bodies are just the wrapping. What's of real value is on the inside. The destiny and the purpose on the inside of each one of us, and every single one of us has a promise spoken over our lives. And you might be sitting here this morning and you're thinking, well, what is the promise? I don't know what the promise over my life is. Do I have a promise over my life? There's not a person with breath in them that does not have a promise over their life. It's whether we choose to partner with that promise. It's whether we choose to take a hold of that promise and partner with what God has for us. And how we walk out that destiny, that process, on our way to the promise, that's the journey. That's the journey that we walk. God prophesied over every single one of us. In your Bible, there are Promise after promise after promise. Then God also sends people around us to pray over us, to prophesy over us, to declare over us, to speak over us. Those are promises over our life. And the journey, the process that you and I go through on our way to that promise is just as important as the promise itself. Our process that we go through on our way to realizing the promise, our process that we go through on our way to peace, the promise, the process that we go through on our way to no more fear, the process that we go through on our way to healing, the process we go through on our way to joy is just as important as actually realizing and taking hold of the fullness of what God has for us. And those things that God has for us are not in the sweet by and by. It's not when we die that we're going to have joy. It's not when we die that we're going to have healing. If that's the case, we're actually substituting Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and making death our salvation rather than Jesus being our salvation. When Jesus died, he came to give you every promise. And the Bible actually says that we shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's not that I'm going to need joy when I'm dead. Oh, I'll have it. Trust me. But Jesus came to give us joy now. 
the Bible tells us what was spoken over us, what is prophesied over us, and the process of that is just as important. But in order for us to do that, the process that we go through is what helps us to develop character. And the character that we develop in the process actually helps us to maintain the promise once we get to the promise. So here's what the Bible tells us. The promise, let me uh, read to you out of Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read again out of the Passion Translation. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 3, says this. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressure will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Every single one of us is a process in progress. Look at somebody and say, be patient with me. I'm a process in progress. (laughs) We're all a process in progress. But your process is just as much a part of God's plan as the promise is. And sometimes we can get in such a hurry to get to the promise that we want to skip over the process part. But see, the process is just as much a part of the plan. And you and I have a process to go through. Actually, we're going to go through a number of processes throughout our lifetime. We're going to get to experience a number of journeys. Yay. (laughs) Yay. So here's the deal. If you don't get it right the first time, you're going to get to do it again. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like the children in the wilderness. When they were going around and around and around the mountain for 40 years, God's like, nope, didn't get it right. Let's try that again. Send them back around the mountain again. So for 40 years, they kept going around the same mountain that God intended a process of 11 days. And we look at that and we're all, what a bunch of losers, but, um, we do it all the time, right? <laughs> so we're still doing it. We're a process in progress. So I want to share with you two, two things that I have. There's, there's lots, but I'm the one with the microphone this morning. So I'm going to share with you two things that I have learned are keys during the process time on our way to the promise or in the waiting. And I want to say this to you, that every person in here is in a process. You're getting ready to go into a process or you've been through a process. We're all, we're all doing it. So I want to share with you two keys that have been very important for me in the process time and also um, in the promise as well. And the first one is hope. And I didn't realize how important hope was until uh, a couple of years ago, a gift was given to me and it is, um, I don't know if you guys have the crowning jewels. I don't know if the ladies have heard of this or men, you could write this down right now to, uh, you're thinking what is an amazing gift that I could give to my loved one. Crowning jewels is an amazing company. They're a company that, uh, makes jewelry and it's the best way I can say it is prophetic jewelry. You can send them somebody's name and they will pray and ask God what uh, type of jewelry to make for that person. And they put different charms or um, symbols on them. And I got a beautiful necklace that was a gift to me from a precious lady in my life. And um, one of the tags on the jewelry says wild hope on it. Well, that started me on, that was at the end of the year. And I started on a journey of finding out what is wild hope, God, what is this word that you're declaring over my life? And as I pressed into wild hope for my life, it became a um, stake in the ground for me. 
And basically what the Lord shared with me about wild hope is that wild hope is something that grows organically. It's not planted. It's not cultivated by man. It's something that grows naturally and in the wild. It grows uninhibited and it grows best in its natural habitat. And so it's the thing that God put on the inside of me that was intended to be there and grows without the help and the, um, the need of, of, of human intervention. It's what God gives to me. And it grows best on the inside of me. So I learned that hope is a very, very important part of the journey when we're on our way to the promise. And hope is a result of character. You can't have hope without having character and going through a process. Just as we read in Romans chapter 5, what we learn is that character comes through perseverance. It's the same way that you don't get to develop muscles without resistance. We don't get to develop hope without resistance. And if you and I are persevering and we're going through pressure and we're having times where we're having to press, it's because God is developing in us something that is so important and so valuable that it requires pressure in order to develop that. So pressure is not a bad thing. That time of pressing is not a bad thing as long as we recognize that it's a process on our way to the promise. And when we realize that this process on the way to the promise is just as valuable as the promise, we begin to embrace the journey. We begin to embrace the pressure, not because it's fun, but because we know that it's producing something on the inside of us that is actually going to help us maintain the promise to the very best once we get there. So the character that we develop is going to help bring and develop hope. I've met a lot of people with amazing giftings, but I've met a lot less people with amazing character. <laughs> and it takes, it takes character to manage the gifting well. So what's on the inside of you is going to take character to manage well. The other important thing to know is that God wastes nothing. When you're on your journey on the way to the promise, there's going to be pressure. There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be betrayal. There's going to be hurt. But when you partner with God, he wastes nothing. None of your pain is wasted. There's purpose in your pain when you partner with God. I didn't even intend all those P's, but there you go. When you partner with God, if you're not partnering with God, you're just hurting and you're miserable. But when you partner with God, God takes the pain that you're going through and he wastes not. He makes it worth something. Your promise and your miracle, your breakthrough is bigger than you. That's important to know is what you're praying for, the pressure that you're going through, the pressure you've been through, or the pressure you're going to go through isn't just about you. It's because God is developing something in you that is interwoven with other people around you. Some of them you've met, some of them you have no idea about, but the process that you're going through is an integral part of somebody else's process leading to their promise. Because no man is an island. We're all interconnected and we're all woven together. So your journey affects my journey. My journey affects your journey. And we're all woven together. So the process that I'm going through, the process that you're going through affects my promise. And my process affects your promise. So when I'm diligent and I'm faithful with my process and I'm not just waiting for it to be over and I'm not just wishing it away, but I'm taking advantage of every moment in that process because here's the deal. We only go through that process for a very short period of time in comparison with eternity. So we need to embrace that process time because it's so short and we only get that chance to steward it. It's very small. It may seem like an eternity, but in the light of eternity, that process time is so small. And it's so important that we embrace it. Like I've gotten into uh, drinking <laughs> lemon 
juice every squeezing a fresh lemon into uh, water every morning to start my morning. I learned that from one of the coaches at the gym and he said it's like it's like a cold shower for your insides. <laughs> wasn't pleasant the first few mornings. But what I do is I squeeze that lemon to get everything out of it that I can because it's going to benefit me. So the same way with the process that we're going through, the journey that we're on, on our way to the promise, we need to take that and we need to get everything out of it that we can because it's going to benefit not only myself, but the promise that I'm believing God for isn't just for my benefit. It's for the benefit of everyone around me and people that I've never even met. It's for the benefit of people that haven't even been born yet. The process that I'm going through benefits the generations after me and the promise that I am believing for benefits generations that haven't even been born yet. It's very, very important. Hope develops the character and the faithfulness. Hope is the first key and the second key is serving. Serving connects you to the bigger purpose and the big picture of God. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25, that Jesus, it says this, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. And the greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Verse 27, because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the son of man did not come expecting to be served, but to serve, not expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. It was interesting to me that he calls himself and he speaks of himself here as the son of man because there's several different ways that uh, Jesus is referred to. He's referred to as the son of David, is referred to as the son of God. But in this instance, when he's specifically talking about serving and the importance of serving, he says, even the son of man did not come to be served. What he's doing is he's identifying with humanity. He's saying, the son of man, I am identifying myself. Yes, I am part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I gave up all of the power and authority of heaven to come to earth to show you the way of heaven, walking as a complete human being, yet having the DNA of heaven. And when he came to earth, he's saying to us, even the son of man, identifying with humanity, saying humanity's greatest door to authority and power is through servanthood. Not through yelling, not through ruling and reigning, not through anger, not through being a tyrant, not through causing fear in people, but by serving. Jesus gave us the example of servanthood, and by servanthood, he walked in great authority. And this made me think, if Jesus had not served the way that he served and demonstrated servanthood the way that he did, would he have had the authority to heal the way that he healed? Would he have seen the miracles that he saw had he not been a servant of all? This scripture says that the greatest power and authority comes to those who serve. There's another passage in, I believe it's in Mark, where Jesus is speaking the same thing. And he says that promotion comes through serving. So for those of us that are looking for authority, those of us that are wanting to operate in power, those of us that are wanting to see miracles, signs, and wonders, those of us that want to lay hands on people and see them healed, the key to the authority of heaven and healing in all that we read about when Jesus said, greater works will you do, comes through serving. Jesus demonstrated it to us through his lifestyle. Serving. The greatest honor and authority is set apart for those that serve. And when we serve, we walk in the kingdom and the authority of heaven. 
And this is what, uh, this is what I sense the Lord communicating is how we steward servanthood is an indication of how we will manage a miracle. How we steward servanthood is an indicator of how we will manage a miracle, meaning if I'm signed up or I join a ministry team at church and I just decide not to show up the morning that I'm signed up to serve, that's an indicator of how I'm going to manage a miracle. Let me say this. <laughs> what I'm about to say is not intended to put shame on anybody. It's not to put guilt on anybody. But here's what I'm going to say. This, If you don't know this, I am sharing this this morning. Because if you don't know this, this is a key to authority and well-being for you in your life. And if you don't have this key... You need it. I was sitting in a meeting uh, about a month ago, and there was the conversation was taking place. I was uh, sitting with, oh, I'm just going to tell you, it was our um, Gen Now leadership team, the people that lead the ministry that ministers to our kids every week. And the conversation was rolling around to how serving and being in in serving can burn you out. And as I was listening to that, I thought, where is that coming from? Because every person that I was sitting with and listening to in that meeting absolutely loved and was passionate about the ministry that they did every single week. They were passionate about it to the point to where they sacrifice weekly to minister to our kids, to your kids. And I was listening to the words burnout coming out. And I was like, Lord, that's not right. Because when we're serving, we actually get inspired and we're connecting to something that is bigger than ourselves and serving. You can talk to anybody in this church and they love what they do. They love serving. It fills them up. And if you were to tell them you can't serve anymore, they would be upset. And so I was asking God about that. And he said, it's not the serving that burns them out. It's the weight of those that don't serve that is heavy. Ah, I get that, Lord. Because many hands mate for light work. And again, the room of women that I was sitting with leading the ministry for our children are passionate and they are full of fire and they are leaders in the kingdom of God. And here the thing is, is serving your church is an opportunity for you to connect with the bigger purpose and the bigger picture of God in your process. And how we manage our servanthood is an indicator of how we will manage a miracle. And if we're not engaging in the servanthood, if I am not using my process right now to serve and advance the kingdom of God, what makes God think that I will use the miracle and the promise to advance the kingdom of God? Again, I am not saying this for shame or for guilt. I'm saying this because if you've been standing and waiting for your breakthrough, yet you are not serving the kingdom anywhere, ask yourself, what is the best indicator of future action is past choices. So if my past choices don't communicate to God that God, what you give me, I will take that and I will steward that to advance your kingdom. When you bring the healing into my life, when you bring that miracle into my life, I will use that to advance your kingdom. And people, I've heard people say, when I win the lottery, I will start tithing. No, you won't. Because if you're not faithful with the dollar, you're not going to be faithful with a million. God knows that it'll destroy. How many, how many people do you see that come into an immense amount of wealth suddenly? And then within a few years, their family is destroyed. They're divorced and they're miserable. We learn to manage 
the blessing. We learn to manage the promise in the process. That's where our character is developed. And if we are faithful with the process, God knows that we'll be faithful with the promise. If you are faithful with the little, you'll be faithful with the much. And your promise is a lot bigger than you. Your promise has everything to do with the people who are coming around you and the people that you haven't met. I can say this. I'm just going to jump ahead for the sake of time. I can say that through some of the most difficult and painful seasons and moments in my life, the thing that kept me going was serving you. The thing that kept me going was serving this church and serving God. That was the reason I had to keep going. When I didn't want to get out of bed, when I did not feel like it. How many of you know, like, I don't feel like it. (laughs) I just don't feel it today. But when you know that you're serving a bigger purpose than yourself, you do it anyway. And it moves you past that place of being so focused on your circumstance and being so focused on what God isn't doing yet. And it moves you into the place of focusing on what he is doing. It puts you in the place of connecting with the bigger picture. And it takes your eyes off of your own pain, off of your own hurt. And it helps you to celebrate the promise, the breakthrough that somebody else is experiencing. And when you get to celebrate the breakthrough with somebody else, it inspires you, it fuels you, and you know mine is coming. Because God is no respecter of persons, and if he'll do it for them, he'll do it for me. (sighs) Hebrews chapter 6. I want to read this passage to you. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse uh, 10. It says this, For God, the faithful one, is not unfair. How can he forget the work you have done for him? He remembers the love you demonstrate as you continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of his name. But we long to see you passionately advance until the end you find your hope fulfilled. So don't allow your heart to grow dull or to lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance, where the endurance goes right back around to hope. It's amazing how God does that. It's amazing what God does for us in that. The greatest seasons of growth in my life have come in the seasons of process and in the seasons of seeing the promise come to pass. Those two things. There's so much growth that happens in the process and there's so much growth that happens when you see the promise come to pass. When you keep your hope and when you're serving. So um, let me ask you this. Whatever it is that you're hoping for, What is it that you are in the process of right now? Your journey as you're on your way. I want you to imagine right now, what is it going to be like when that promise is fulfilled? When that hope, as the scripture just said, when that hope is fulfilled, what will that be like? And I want you to start imagining and I want you to use your holy imagination to picture what is it going to be like When that comes to pass in my life and I'm not hoping for it anymore because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when it comes to pass, I'm not hoping for it anymore. I have it. The promise is fulfilled. So what is it going to look like when the promise is fulfilled? For example, maybe maybe somebody is praying for a car. You need a car that is reliable and running somewhere. So what is your garage going to look like with that car parked in it? What is your, what is the front of your house going to look like with that car parked out front? I remember when we were praying for a home and God told me to get boxes. We didn't have no down payment for a home. We didn't have no money for a home, (laughs) but I'm believing God for a home. And God said, get boxes. I thought that was silly. I'm pretty sure it wasn't God. And as time went on, I kept sensing that, get boxes. So I went and got moving boxes. 
And I started packing stuff up. And you know what? The home came. The promise came. I'm living in my promise. But I had to engage the process <laughs> to be obedient, to do what sounded foolish to me at that moment. So what's it going to look like when you're living in your home? What's it going to, what does it look like to have a car parked in front of your house? What does it look like to have your child? What does, what does your marriage look like when you're both serving God together? What are you, what are you, what are you in the process of right now? So I want you to get a picture of that in your mind. Let God put a picture, an image, a vision of that in your heart so that you begin to think on that and you begin to press towards something because you're in the process on the way to your promise. And we always hold on to hope and we serve. We look for opportunities to serve. And the way that we steward our servanthood is the way we're going to manage the miracle. Amen. So I want to, uh, take a few moments here. I had some, uh, words that I felt like God had given me as I was preparing for the message. And it's kind of an interesting thing when I go other places and minister, it's really easy to have, uh, words of knowledge or, um, prophecies because I don't know anybody there. <laughs> and so when something comes, I'm like, okay, well, Lord, that's must be you. Cause I don't know anybody there. So, um, I've been asking God how to manage that in my home church or asking, honestly, I would ask him, Lord, how come I don't have that at my home church? And he said, because you don't ask for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well heard. So I started asking God for it. And so then I was asking him, how do I, how do I navigate that when I'm in a room of a, a lot of people that I know, I know their stories and I know what's going on. And God basically said, you need to trust me and get over yourself. And so I was like, okay, I heard that too. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so before I do that, here's the thing is our journey, everything. I heard this from a minister years ago is that there are countless journeys that lead people to Jesus, but there is only one journey that leads us to God. And there are countless ways that people come to Jesus Christ. There are, there is an infinite, as many as there are with breath in their lungs, there's that many ways to come to Jesus, but there's only one way to the father. And that is through Jesus Christ. And so if you are, uh, in this place where you're thinking, I don't know what my story is. I don't know what my promise is. Your promise starts with receiving Jesus Christ, asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And basically what Jesus does is he extends a hand to you and he says, come and follow me. It's not about raising your hand in church and about praying an Elizabethan language prayer. It's about saying yes to Jesus Christ. And when you say yes to Jesus Christ, Jesus extends a hand and he says, come and follow me me. And that's the beginning of your process. You don't even start the process until you start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus opens the door. He opens it wide for us to enter into relationship with our heavenly father. But there's only one way to the heavenly father and that's Jesus. So if you have never said yes to Jesus, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to start the process in my life. Jesus doesn't disqualify anyone. He doesn't say, well, when you get this straightened out, then you come talk to me. Jesus says, bring your mess to me. Bring all the ugly to me. Bring all of your victories to me. And I'm going to show you what they mean in the big picture. I'm going to help you walk that out. I'm going to show you. You don't have to hide in shame of that anymore. I'm going to show you what I want to use it for. I'm going to show you the things that you're passionate about on the inside. Those things that you love to do. I'm going to show you what they are in the big picture of the kingdom of heaven. Because the wrapping that's on the outside has nothing compared with the value that's on the inside. And you were created with purpose. And when you partner with God, he shows you what that purpose is for in the big picture. And you realize, I am really, really important in the big picture, the overall scheme of things. Every breath is very important to God. 
If you've never said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. This morning is your opportunity to do that. And I understand in some places they say every eye closed and close your eyes and bow your head and nobody looking around. But you know what? This is something to celebrate. And this is your moment to be brave. And this is your moment to say today I'm starting a process and I'm on my way to recognizing and realizing what the promise over my life is. And I want other people to celebrate that with me. So I'm saying everybody look around and if you're starting that process today, today is your day to say, I want to follow Jesus and find out what the promise is over my life. I want you to raise your hand up really high and everybody's going to be looking around. Is there anybody like that in here this morning? Yes. 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 <laughs> Thank you, God. You know what? All of heaven is rejoicing. The Bible says that when one comes to the knowledge of God, that all of heaven rejoices. So there's like a legit party being thrown for you in heaven right now. Heaven is rejoicing over you. So can we rejoice over them as well? Yeah. Thank you, Father. And so, you know, sometimes in our journey, we can get discouraged because life happens. And so sometimes we can get discouraged. We can begin to feel the weight of doing maybe what somebody else isn't doing. And we feel the weight of that. But this scripture says to us that God does not overlook your service and that he sees everything that you do. And this morning, if you just want to say, I want a refreshing, I want to be refreshed in my process on my way to my promise. I want you to stick your hand up really high. Yeah. Yeah. All over the room. Father, I thank you that you are refreshing us, that you are giving us endurance and developing character in us as we're on our way. We're in a process and say this out loud. If you want to, I am a process in progress. Yes, yes, yes. So one of the things that I sensed God saying is that there are people uh, here this morning or watching online that superstition has been a big part of your life. And it's been something that either um, generational superstition, I heard generational superstition and cultural superstition. So is there anybody in here, how many, who in here would say, yeah, superstition has been something in my life where I felt like, oh, I can't do this because if I do, yeah, raise your hand up because I want to know who I'm talking to this morning. Yeah. So what I felt like God said, what I sensed God saying is, um, this morning he wants to set you free of superstition. And literally what he said is rather than superstition, you're going to experience the supernatural. So in the places that superstition was bondage and created fear or created anxiety and worry in your life, that God is saying now there's going to be a new freedom come to you and that there is going to be an experience, an encounter, not with superstition bondage anymore, but with supernatural freedom. And God's getting ready to do things in your life that are literally going to blow your hair back because he's bringing freedom to you. And as he brings freedom to you, it's going to bring freedom to the generations that are coming after you. Amen. Amen. Um, is there anyone here with the name Fran or Francis, a Fran or a Francis? No, I think that I know who the person is. And I'm going to go ahead and say this because uh, it was very clear to me. So if Fran or Francis is watching online, what I was sensing the Lord saying is that there is a call uh, for you right now into the deeper secrets and the deeper uh, presence of God. And that as you answer that call into this deeper secret place, that there's going to be a new level of holiness that you experience in your life. And that this holiness is not for self-righteousness, but it's holiness that heals the past, the present, and the future. So we just celebrate that over that person right now. And then um, Casey Mitchell. Yes. <laughs> okay, so um, this is what the Lord was sharing with me, is that uh, you've had times in your life where there are plans and a thought-out idea of how things are going to go and how things are going to work. And what I specifically heard was that there's been unexpected moments and events that have interrupted the plan and uh, not expected timing. 
And what I was hearing was that there have been moments of sudden impact. And that those moments of sudden impact have created internal injuries. And that everything looks good and healthy on the outside. And that you're carrying on and you're great at laughing and smiling. (laughs) And bringing joy to everyone around you. But what I was seeing was that God is about to do a scan on your internal system and on your heart. And God is going to wrap you in a huge blanket like a hug. And what I was seeing literally was like a swaddling. And then I saw your dad. And this uh, internal scan is a generational scan. And there's going to be healing from sudden impact moments in your entire family. And he's um, taking you all to a place that is familiar. What I specifically heard is for your family that you're going to a place that is familiar, but it's new. And you're going to a place that is warm and that's safe. And the environment that he's taking you into in the spiritual realm is going to manifest itself into the natural realm. And in this place, I specifically heard that, Rick, you're very important here. And that the security and comfort that Kyle brings here is a really good thing. And as God gives you this internal check, he's creating space for healing of bruises caused by the sudden impact moments. Because there wasn't time then to tend to them, but there's time now. And what I saw was that the laughter will be richer, but so will the tears. And there's no fear in this place, but there is deep wisdom for this family. So if you guys would just stretch your hands out to this family right now. And Father, I thank you for this internal scan. (laughs) Father, I thank you for Rick. And I thank you, Lord, for the leadership of this family. And I thank you, God, that you have been doing a spiritual download in this man over the past several years that has literally, like what I'm seeing, Rip, is things have like been flipped upside down, but actually what God is saying is he's flipping it right side up. And it feels sometimes like you're on a roller coaster, but God is saying you're strapped in tight. Just trust him. Just trust him in this process. And um, God has a blanket of safety and protection over your family. So Lord, we thank you for that. And we stand with this family during this process. And we thank you, God, for your healing of those sudden impact moments. And we thank you. We praise you for this family in Jesus name. Amen.